little Jerry Vale for you on a day where he reigns supreme. Keep going. I don't know if I'll have any wine. I'm not the kind of wine. I always feel like wine is a good idea until uh, I have to get through the glasses. And it just doesn't... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I inch my way through anything that's alcoholic these days. It just doesn't work. But Oh, and also, before I get on with anything today, I understand that the blue lava lamp has lost its light. I have new bulbs coming in. That one has kind of been shoddy on me the last couple of days, so I knew that this was probably happening. I didn't think that I was going to uh, be without one today at all. So don't worry. My lava lamps will be in back back in full form, hopefully by tomorrow, if not um, if not Thursday. But welcome to this very special Afternoon Delight edition of Quite Frankly. It's pretty much just going to be a regular Quite Frankly, but at 2 p.m. instead of 7 p.m., because I'm going to take my, my girls out. And we actually might even get an appearance um, from the girls today in the second hour. I don't know how much uh, attention Aurora will be wanting to pay to me or pay me in here. I mean, maybe the uh, the microphones will, will suck her in a little bit, but uh, she'll probably be running out the door and knocking on Anthony's door and wanting to be let into the studio to play with his guitars and all that other stuff. So we'll see. In the first half, plenty of stuff that we can do together. I hope we can take some calls. Um, I was going, maybe one one of these nights I'll do my little Delilah, my Delilah shtick. You know, I'll have you guys call in. I'll tell you what that is, that's all about. And one of these nights, you know, the other thing we have to do again, we have to do, we have to do uh, crazy libs again. We have to do mad libs on this show again. There's so many more people in the chat room than ever before. The, I think that we would have a really fun time bringing back the old um, mad libs bit, bit that we used to do, man, many years ago, many years ago. So there's, there's uh, plenty, plenty of catching up we have. And plenty of new things and old things to bring back and pretend that they're new. So welcome to the show. What are we going to talk about tonight, though? Well, I have a little bit on um, I have a little bit on the the war front. Just a couple of sound clips there. I have a little bit on the limited hangout front. When I heard that John Kirby guy come out and talk about all the balloons that they're finding that they knew they couldn't find when Trump was around, now they're tracking them all over the place because they're just the best. Um, it just made me start slapping together a whole bunch of soft disclosure, intentional omission, lying by omission kind of pieces that I wanted to do in the last couple of weeks, but didn't have time to. So we'll do that. And there's other things. Uh, Valentine's Day, even though it's really just a made up Hallmark holiday, as they call it, but it really is not, it's nothing. Now, there's some really interesting history. Uh, the backstory of St. Valentine, no doubt, but what we have today is just a, it's just a mess. And uh, even though it was a, a shallow corporate creation, still, this is a day where people like Chelsea Handler come out and they, they, they virtue signal about thanking God that they don't have children, which I don't, I don't know. It's not like a, 
a family holiday. It's more like a, a romantic couples holiday. But this is where everybody, they like for example, we have Chelsea Handler. I'm not going to play it for you because I just, she's just a, she's just a mess. But um, there's other things like this. You get a lot of these, these headlines. Here's one from BBC. The adults celebrating child-free lives. And then what are we looking at? Uh, Two people probably pushing 60. Well, at least he is. Dressed like the Goonies, like he's one of the the members of the Goonies with his camo pants and his jean jacket. He's going to go find a buried treasure in California somewhere. Uh, it, It really just highlights stunted people. Stunted people who just want the college years to never stop. And you know what? Listen, there are many, many men and women out there who don't have children, many couples that don't have children for one reason or another. I don't ask people, hey, when you when you having babies now? I don't ask people when they're having babies or when you're having more. You just don't know what's going on. You don't know what's, what, what's happening there. And there's a lot of people that don't have children that want them, that always have, but it didn't work out. There are a lot of people that never wanted children, then wanted them way too late. There's a lot going on out there. But we know why they're doing this. That's the whole point. It's not about clobbering people over the head. Hey, have children. Have ch- who am I? I'm a late bloomer, and I only have one one child. You know, it's the, you know, I I don't I'm, I don't put myself above anybody else. But we know why they're doing this. We know why it's hey you know, you know that there's it's boom there's a lot of it's a boom of people who are celebrating being childless right. You know that's a you should celebrate that. From consciously child uh, from, from consciously child free influencers, see, to online communities for people who have decided against having kids, the no kids movement is booming, but so is the backlash. Well, I could wonder why. I wonder why there's backlash as to promoting childlessness instead of just letting people go throughout life and, you know, wherever you are at the end is where you are, and that's just that's just it. Just like at the Super Bowl, when they do the uh, the national anthem, and then all of a sudden, plastered across the screen, all female pilot flyover. Like, oh, I don't give a shit if that was men and women flying planes up there. I don't give a shit. But we know why they're telling us this. This was a this was this was a, a moment that we were all supposed to have our breath taken away. Girls are bosses too. It's just come on, come on already. In one of Marcella Munoz's most recent videos, a 27-year-old dances in a sunny park wearing denim shorts and high tops. This carefree, untethered social media post is the embodiment of her mission to celebrate her child-free lifestyle. 27 years old, she's gonna regret it. Already swearing it off at 20, she's gonna regret it. Uh, let's see. Munoz is one of the number of influencers producing content designed to validate why they never want to have kids. Yes, I know. You just—it's just so much more fun to to be selfless. Can you imagine if your if your uh, if your parents were you? See, it's all my—it's all a matter of where does it all stop. What generation is the generation that should be the ones to kick off their shoes? never do anything to 
to plan for the, the next, I don't know, the next crop of humans. Someone else could have the kids, not me. The number one thing that I always say when people ask me why I'm child free, it's because I don't have a desire to have children, says Munoz, a small business owner from Kansas, uh, US. She also believes kids would interfere with her passions for spontaneous travel. Well, for a couple of years, football training and regular lions. Lions? What does that mean? Just sleep all day? It's one of her other recent posts, she jokes. If you have baby fever, take a nap. If you have baby fever, take a nap. If you enjoyed the nap, don't have kids. Oh, you fucking loser. You fucking loser. Oh, my God. Oh my God! I, I know so many people that would that would that would love to have her ovaries, that can't have children for one reason or another, and this one just wants to take naps. And it's again, again. This is the this is the way that people live lives, and you don't know it. It's just, it's just life. You don't have a a, a window into a person's mind and their heart. Uh, you don't have any. But this is something else. This published put it on out there, and she learned it from somebody else there too. Who'd she learn it from? And she's a paid influencer. So she's trying to make sure that everybody is, um, is keeping in mind. Keep in mind, think about how many naps you can have over the next 70 years. Think about all the naps, and especially the naps that you'll be having in the nursing home <laughs> when, when, no, when nobody's around to help you out, take care of you, or even call to say how you doing. Plenty of naps then. Then all you have is naps. Okay, let's see here. What else do we have? Over here, that's right. On demand. Oh, more, more. Again, this goes right, right hand in hand. No! Oh. Study finds on-demand birth control, male, male birth control, on-demand male birth control, contraceptive pill taken just before intercourse prevents pregnancy. It disables sperm. So now, now there's going to be guys out there stupid enough to pop these pills and they'll be disabling their sperm, uh, even more so than the current Western diet is already doing it and the air and the, and the water and the ideology of environmentalism and killing the patriarchy and of course naps we know that you can never get enough naps in football training football training until you're 65 years old that's what everybody wants to do bethesda maryland a male contraceptive pill would create an on-demand way for men to prevent pregnancy Researchers from the National Institutes of Health say the compounds of this, uh, this drug block a fertility protein for 24 hours. Moreover, men could take the contraceptive right before sex and still get full protection. So, you know, just sterilize yourself before every, before every romp. I'm sure that's not going to have any lasting effects. Scientists say that in some ways it is more effective than women's oral birth control medications, which users have to take daily. In experiments, the non-hormonal compounds stop mouse sperm cells in their, in their tracks, preventing them from maturing. The animal's sexual functioning was normal. Male lab rodents mated with females, but there were no pregnancies. It, our inhibitor works within 30 minutes to an hour, says lead author Dr. Melanie Balbach. 
Every other experimental hormone or non-hormonal male contraceptive takes weeks to bring sperm count down or render them unable to fertilize eggs. Doesn't that... Wow. Just go go out there and... Um, I don't know. Put a soldering iron down to your balls. That's another way you can render them disabled for the evening. Use a soldering iron and just... Uh, and just that's it. Scramble eggs. Scramble the eggs up. Hello to everybody who's watching on Theta and on Foxhole and on Twitch, DLive, Rumble, YouTube, and Rockfin. It's great to have you with me on this Tuesday afternoon. It's 2.08 p.m. Eastern Time. Feels weird, but if I don't look outside the window, I actually... It could be 7 o'clock right now. And if you listen to this at 7 o'clock, then nothing's changed at all. That's the beauty of the internet. So I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. I want to thank also Secret Nature CBD for, for sticking around and having a good time with us. You can go check them out along with all of our other wonderful affiliates on quitefrankly.tv on the affiliates page. Um, especially up there with Blue Monster Prep, which is, I think should be on everybody's list of things to do this year if you haven't done it or if you haven't been doing it often little bits and pieces do it do it okay here's another thing damar hamlin he was interviewed by michael strahan and he got a he got a question about so did the doctors tell you uh, what is going on what happened to your heart and all that and he had a really interesting answer I want you to listen to it here you go from the ICU the question on so many minds what caused his heart to stop beating you're 24 peak physical condition can run circles around me right now <laughs> <laughs> how did doctor describe what happened to you um Um, that's something I want to stay away from. He says, that's something I want to stay away from after about a 15 second pause. How do I say this? Say what? Apparently, I, I mean, we, we had every armchair doctor on the planet diagnosing him for weeks. Commotio cordis. Commotio cordis. Commotio I mean, all he had to say is say that. That's all he had to say. I got hit at right the, just the right time. I got hit at just the right I, I don't understand. I understand the need for privacy. Then why are you taking the interview? But um, I'm going to stay away from that one. Very odd, if you ask me. And uh, so that didn't keep uh, Michael Strahan from, from asking in another way how everything's going. That's something I want to stay away from. I know from my experience at the NFL, they do more tests than anything. And in the course of you having your physical, did anybody ever come back with any, say you had a heart issue or anything that was abnormal? Uh, honestly, no. Um, I've always been a, a, a healthy, young, fit, energetic, uh, you know, human being, let alone mm -hmm. athlete. Um, so until I got to the NFL, it, it was something that was just that we we still processing and I'm still talking through with my doctors just to see what everything was okay okay so um, I don't know uh, I don't know we're, we're gonna have more on uh, he's a little bit of a piece of this really great 
thread that I think we can do on Friday night that uh, Popehead put together on Twitter. And it's a thread that takes the the messaging and the imagery and the mysticism of the Phoenix with the Super Bowl, the UFO stuff, puts it all together to, to really lay out a long string of crazy synchronicities from the last couple of days, especially over Super Bowl weekend. But he's another one there because he was there at the Super Bowl. Um, before the whole thing got kicked off, he was there at the Super Bowl on the field with, I guess, like a couple of dozen of of uh, emergency medical workers that were there that were that responded to him or something like something along those lines. And he wore a very weird crucifixion jacket. It had uh, Jesus crucified on the back of it, but he kind of had a, like this haggard, weird, almost like a zombie face, like bugged out eyes. It's a very odd depiction of Jesus. And um, of course, there's that whole rising from the dead kind of thing going on there. The Phoenix once again. Then, of course, we had, as I said, the um, if there's anything that you can point to with the the halftime show with Rihanna was again the Red Lady, the Phoenix rising and um we'll have all that on friday night we take a little bit of a deep dive there but that's something he wants to stay away from so i guess that's all that's all there is to say about that in the meantime all right well is that all i have for the opening i think i do i think that is we'll be right back we have plenty of other things to jump into oh wait there is one more thing i gotta bring this uh i'll do this now nah, I'm going to do that another night. Or maybe I'll find some time in the first half. I want to do a lot of things in the first ha- hour here before Lauren gets here. So don't go anywhere. Not that many people will be watching in the end. Maybe some more of our friends from Europe. That'd be good for them. So hello, if you're watching from Europe, press 1 in all the chat rooms so we know we know who you are. And uh, And welcome aboard. We will be right back. stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's rock! Feeling nice. All right. So, hello, my cozy, my cozy gathering of friends. We are going to be jumping into 
a few things right now. Um, the first thing is a... This is Jens Stoltenberg. Who's Jens Stoltenberg? I think he has something to do with the EO, EU. Let's go and search his name, shall we? Let's see. He is a Norwegian politician who has been serving as the 13th Secretary General of NATO. Ah. Since 2014, a member of the Norwegian Labour Party, he previously served the, as the 34th Prime Minister of Norway from 2000 to 2001, and again from 2005 until 2013. So what does Jens or Johns has to say? What does he have to say? He's commenting about NATO and the military conflict with Russia. More specifically, he's commenting about what is or isn't the reality of the war out there and uh, the rest of the world's involvement. Take a listen to this load of horse shit. With Russia. Neither NATO nor NATO allies uh, are party to the conflict. Uh, what we do uh, as NATO allies and NATO is to provide support to Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is defending itself. Uh, we need to understand what this is. This is a war or aggression. Uh, President Putin, uh, Russia, uh, has attacked a sovereign, independent, democratic, free nation in Europe, Ukraine. And of course, Ukraine has the right to defend itself. The right of self-defense is enshrined in the UN Charter. It's a part of international law. And of course, we have the right to help Ukraine uphold uh, their right for self-defense. So NATO and NATO allies are not party to the conflict, but we support Ukraine. We're not part, can you imagine? I mean, he's shaking, he's flailing around. I mean, he looks like he just he just did. I don't know. I don't know if it's Ritalin or what's going on here. But NATO nor NATO allies, we are not part of the military conflict. We are only supplying weapons to Ukraine. We're only supplying them intelligence. We're only supplying them aerial support with our satellites and all that other stuff, telling them where to point the weapons, where, you know, all the intelligence necessary to de to sink ships. We're not part of the, this is, this is coming out of a man's mouth and he's saying it. He's saying it, hoping somebody, maybe he believes it too. Maybe he believes it too. I don't know. But he's giving it to other people, hoping they believe it. We're not part of this, not part of it. It's just completely our war. And to even call Ukraine a, a, a sovereign nation is so, it's, it's all, that's like calling the United States a sovereign nation. Are we? Really? Because the same people who, the same organizations, the same powers that be, that have their hands up our asses working our government like a puppet, have been doing that in Ukraine for many years now with a very pivotal uptick in the violence and in the, and, and, and in the, uh, and in the, um, I don't know, the investments being made out there since 2004, definitely. Definitely since the coup in 2014, 2014, not four, but around 2008 is where it all started bubbling even even worse. So that's uh, th that's just really it. It's incredible to hear somebody call a clearly not sovereign nation sovereign and to say that a war that has only lasted 
as long as it has because you are just you're you're you it's an endless an endless supply we're talking we we gave a hundred billion dollars plus just ourselves a hundred billion dollars was stolen from us and future generations of americans if they're if if they even if there is an i don't know if there's going to be an america if there's going to be an american dollar but we were pledged as collateral our unborn family members were pledged as collateral. If you were born into some, uh, you if you're born into America today, what is the uh, U.S. debt clock looking like right now? Let's see. What's the real time debt clock? If you are born in the U.S. today, you are born with ninety-four thousand dollars worth of debt. That's, that's your share of the debt. A child that was just born right now somewhere in the United States, uh, their part of the debt is $94,000. Now, as far as those who pay taxes, their part of the debt is $246,000. There you go. Racing our way to $32 trillion, and uh, it gets worse and worse. So, so we sent $100 billion plus just on our own accord, then you have all the other people uh, represented by this this NATO lunatic with the shaking hands and the and the quivering voice. God knows what kind of money they've sent, and we already know the endless the assembly line of 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 missiles and tanks and God knows what else. That's just to keep this somewhat alive. Now, as far as the status goes. Here's Mark, General Mark White Rage Milley that came out and just said today that Russia has lost. Apparently, Russia just, they're lost. It's lost now, which might mean that we are getting very, very close to um, the thing that Russia does out of desperation, quote, uh, uh, end quote. We might be getting very close to the thing that Russia does out of desperation for losing so badly and having a terminally ill leader in Vladimir Putin. We might be getting very, very, very close now for this this stupid fat terrorist, Mark Milley, to come out and say something like this. So listen. Russia has lost. They've lost strategically, operationally, and tactically. And they are paying an enormous price on the battlefield. But until Putin ends his war of choice, the international community will continue to support Ukraine with the equipment and capabilities it needs to defend itself. Through this group, we are collectively supporting Ukraine's ability to defend its territory, protect its citizens, and liberate their occupied areas. So uh, I'm sorry that was a little bit lower than, I don't know why it was so low. But um, pretty much what the fat terrorist said is that we are, this is, our war, our war is going to continue, and we're going to continue to put whatever kind of hand-me-down uh, uh, weapons that we can get into the hands of, um, of of poor Ukrainian recruits, whoever they're getting to fight out there at this point. I don't know. But, um, man, yeah, that's, uh, that's where that is, is all heading. And, again... It's what are they feeding us and why? What are we getting prepped for? Here's another little thing. Here's John Kirby. As mis- this is from the Wall Street Journal. 
As mystery objects get shot down, the U.S. sets up a new task force on UFOs. Oh, now, now it's behind a paywall. It wasn't before. Who cares? Amid a baffling series of incidents in which the U.S. has shot down three unidentified flying objects. I cannot believe that they're, they are back to embracing UFO, too. Have you seen anything? Have you seen anybody using the new, uh, you know, dipping into the new nomenclature with the UAP thing? Have you? I have not seen it. I'm sure somebody, maybe somebody's kicking it around out there, but it's amazing how we have gone back. Everybody's gone back to embracing UFO because why? Psychologically, psychologically, they want people thinking, could it be aliens? While they do these little pussyfooting uh, denials of, of what's going on and what it could be and what it isn't. And uh, it was a balloon. It was octagonal think something it was just a, a weather thing it was interfering with our fighter jet sensors you know they're going back to ufo because we have 70 years of that and all the sci-fi and all of the uh you know all of the, the the conspiracy rags and all of the movies and everything we have 70 years of that in our dna in our collective pop culture DNA. So that is why we are back to using UFOs. When they wanted to be able to keep people, you know, you know separate people a little bit more and, and, and not let this be so much of a whatever, because of course there's a lot of things going on in the skies. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of technology that's being tested around us and with us that we don't even know about. So that's why UAP comes up. Just like chemtrails become high atmospheric aerosol injections, you know, kind of. It's just incredible to see that coming on back. Now here is John Kirby at the Defense Department. Listen to what he says about these balloons and all the things that they are now tracking. That the previous administration they did not detect it. The the Trump everybody under Trump, which is just pretty much everybody that's there. Right now, only thing different is that Donald Trump and a couple of people, a couple of people that maybe he could have trusted, are gone. I mean, they have the, they have the same FBI director. Uh, there, there's so much that has is going on. It, it, see, I, what 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 really has changed hands since Donald Trump was forced out to pasture? What has changed hands? But here's John Kirby doing his job as a, one of our nation's chief propagandists because uh, and again think about think about Ukraine are they a sovereign nation can they ever be a sovereign nation if this is the kind of thing that is running them because this is the kind of thing that's running us listen but we were able to determine that China has a high altitude balloon program for intelligence collection that's connected to the people's liberation army it was operating during the previous administration, but they did not detect it. We detected it. We tracked it. And we have been carefully studying it to learn as much as we can. Mm. We know that these PRC surveillance balloons have... Thanks for putting it out there. Thanks for, thanks for telling the, the, the Chinese, too. ...crossed over dozens of countries on multiple continents around the world, including some of our closest allies and partners. We assessed that at this time... These balloons have provided limited 
additive capabilities to the PRC's other intelligence platforms used over the United States. But in the future, if the PRC continues to advance this technology, it certainly could become more valuable to them. Okay. So uh, that is the, the line that is being thrown out there, and I'm glad that they're tracking it, and the, the, the other administration didn't do anything with their balloons. Congratulations on that. I would like to bring you back to August of 2021, when um, all the people working Biden like a marionette were in a hurry pulling out everything that they can from uh, Afghanistan causing as much chaos as they can in this pullout which I mean objectively we wanted that that uh, that theater of war closed up 20 years prior but um, we know how that all went with people left behind plenty died uh, a, a fully mechanized army that had, was left behind cash and weapons and tanks and helicopters and, and, uh, and of course, a, a, a very lucrative drug business. Very lucrative drug business. Does anybody know if the Taliban has gone and uh, burned all of the CIA's crops? I have not heard about any kind of drug destruction since then. So th- that would be interesting if somebody can kick around on that one because I really don't believe that we're gone and I think that it was just almost like, hey, listen, uh, we got to put our uh, sights elsewhere. We got to put our sights elsewhere. Of course, there was a big confrontation in Ukraine that started up that, f- that following February. So it's, uh, it's probably good that we uh, divert a little bit of attention. Maybe we can go in on the business or whatever. I don't know. It, just, just appoint a new middle manager over there in, in Afghanistan. I don't know what I believe on that front. But here's something. Remember this? Pentagon slams leak showing that the U.S. deaths in Kabul and the bombing could have been avoided. Here's John Kirby. I know you, you, you might have remembered this. This is the first thing I went and I dug up when I thought when I heard him talk about how, how courageous and how awesome and on top of it the Biden administration has been with detecting and tracking these balloons as opposed to the sloppy Trumpst, the Trumpsters. The U.S. government has advanced, had advance notice and could have avoided last week's airport bombing that killed 13 U.S. service members, according to a new report. As some relatives of the victims are furious at President Biden for his Afghanistan exit strategy and his conduct at a ceremony honoring the fallen, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby on Monday slammed an unlawful leak to Politico revealing that the deaths of U.S. troops last week in Kabul airport bombing could have been averted as the pentagon was aware hours in advance of an imminent mass casualty attack kirby was asked at a press briefing about the report which says the u.s knew the approximate time and location of the bombing on thursday as struck the airport's abbey gate but that a plan to close the gate to protect u.s troops was abandoned quote this is what quote and maybe maybe here is the uh maybe they have the the video here okay they don't oh wait a second here it is listen to the listen to this what i can tell you is that uh we have been monitoring as close as we can intelligence that uh, led us to believe uh, that we were in a very dynamic and in in some cases specific uh, threat environment um uh number one number two uh 
as General McKenzie said, we're going we're gonna to investigate. We're going to get to the bottom uh, of what happened last Thursday. Uh, 13 precious lives were lost. We're going to take that seriously, and we're, gonna, and we're not going to investigate it in public. Uh, number three, I am absolutely not going to speak uh, to uh, a, a, a press story that was informed by the unlawful disclosure of classified information uh, and sensitive deliberations here at the Pentagon. So there you go. He's not going to he's not going to respond to anything that has to do with the unlawful telling of the truth about how again whether it be a mass shooter in his country they're mostly they're almost all known to authorities prior to they knew about this too. So for John Kirby, the only reason why John Kirby can go and take a victory lap because they're popping fucking balloons is because we've got the, the, the collective memory, the, nas- the collective national memory of a fucking canary. That's why. That's why he can go and take a victory lap with his balloon popping and tracking. Good for you. Good for you. You're, you're, that, that, man, that man and his colleagues are responsible for at least... 13 American deaths. Nobody was held accountable. Nobody. Nobody was held accountable. They are just able to walk away from it. If it happened to Donald Trump, you best believe that there would have been gigantic proceedings. They would have dwarfed Benghazi. If, if, if Afghanistan happened on Donald Trump's watch, the hearings and the investigations that would have ensued would have dwarfed Benghazi. No doubt about it. So when I heard this guy, this this pencil neck, going out there and making this ridiculous uh, statement, the first thing I thought about was all the lives that they had lost because, again, they had a plot known to them, did nothing, and then got mad that somebody out there told the truth. Oh, and also remember, we're never going to get the Supreme Court leaker. Just like we'll never know what happened at Las Vegas. All right? Only thing is, Las Vegas, with the Supreme Court, you have nine justices and their staffs. There's only so many people it could be. So that's gone. We are just, we are abused spouses over here. We're not represented, we're not protected. We are not even thought about. We are just stolen from over and over again. That's all this is. And as far as limited hangout, soft disclosure type of stuff, it made me think about this one that I had been meaning to do. This was an opinion piece. We're going back to uh, medical. This is an opinion piece from a guy named Kevin Bass. He is a uh, PhD student, medical school, and he was writing for Newsweek. And here is the headline. The headline is, and this will have a lot to do with accountability and where we are as a, as a culture right now. The headline is, it's time for the scientific community to admit we were wrong about COVID and it cost lives. Great. Well, this sounds good. Good. This sounds great so far. As a medical student and researcher, I staunchly support I staunchly supported the efforts of public health authorities when it came to COVID-19. Well, you shouldn't have. Because you should have been a free individual first, concerned about living in a free nation, in a free world, a humanitarian world first. 
I believe that the authorities responded to the largest public health crisis of our time with compassion, diligence, and scientific expertise. Well, they didn't. They came down with a heavy fist. They were pompous. They were arrogant. They were accusatory. They were defensive. They did not want to listen to anyone. They thought and they asserted they were the the smartest people in every room that they ever walked into, and no one else's opinions, no one else's gut feelings mattered at all. And as far as scientific expertise comes from, where did you see any of that? Was it in the completely made-up protocols for social distancing? Where they just took names out of the hat and conferred with with, uh, teachers' unions to see what they thought about it? What kind of scientists work at teachers' unions? Because we know many of, of the way that, uh, that, that, that the lockdowns, especially on an educational level, were done in accordance with what teachers, teachers were thinking. I was with them, he says, when they called for lockdowns and vaccines and boosters. I was wrong. We in the scientific community were wrong, and it cost lives. Well, that's very nice so far. Doesn't make it doesn't make it any less of a, a crime against humanity to say that well we had compassion when we were doing this. Oh. I can see now that the scientific community from the CDC to the WHO to the FB, FDA and the representatives repeatedly overstated the evidence and misled the public about its own views and policies, including on natural versus artificial immunity, school closures, disease transmission, aerosol spread, mask mandates, and vaccine effectiveness and safety, especially among the young. All of these were scientific mistakes at the time, not in hindsight. Um, this is what I'm saying, limited hangout. Amazingly, some of these obfuscations continue to the present day, but perhaps more important than any individual error was how inherently flawed the overall approach to the, of the scientific community was and continues to be. It was flawed in a way that undermined its efficacy and resulted in thousands, if not millions, of preventable deaths. What we did not properly appreciate is the preferences determined Uh, is that preferences determine how scientific expertise is used and how our preferences might be. Indeed, our preferences were very different for many of people that we serve. We created policy based on our preferences, then we justified it using data, and then we portrayed those opposing our efforts as misguided, ignorant, selfish, and even evil. All great points and great admissions. But where do we go from here? We made science a team sport, and so doing... We made it no longer science. It became us versus them, and they responded the only way they might expect them by resisting. That's to talking about us. Our emotional response and ingrained partisanship prevented us from seeing the full impact of our actions on the people we are supposed to serve. We systematically minimized the downsides of the interventions we imposed, imposed without the input, consent, and recognition of those forced to live with them. In doing so, in so doing, we violated the autonomy of those who would be most negatively impacted by our policies. The poor, the working class, the small business owners, blacks and Latinos, and children. Uh, these populations were overlooked because they were made invisible by, uh, by, syst- by systematic in- exclusion from the dominant corporatized media machine that presumed omniscience. No, 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 no. You excluded small business owners. You excluded, you, you, uh, you neutered the working class, which is right there with small business owners, and you destroyed children. Blacks and Latinos, you exalted. I mean, that's all you spoke about. 
when you were rationing things, uh, when you were rationing whether they be shots, which thankfully most of them did not take it, uh, when, when you were rationing shots or rationing the, the, uh, the antibodies, you were, you were making it so that it was first come, first serve, whites need not apply in some places. That was, so again, what is he softening up here? Populations overlooked. Populations of exclusion, corporate media. Most of us did not speak up in support of alternative views. Many of us tried to suppress them. You did suppress. It was suppressed. Not you. I know this guy wasn't there uh, flipping switches over there at Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere. But when strong scientific voices like world-renowned professors and doctors sounded the alarm on behalf of vulnerable communities. They face severe censure by relentless mobs of critics and detractors in the scientific community, often not on the basis of fact, but solely on the basis of differences in scientific opinion. Trump was not remotely perfect, nor were academic critics of consensus policy, but the scorn that we laid on them was a disaster for public trust and pandemic response. Our approach alienated large segments of the population from what should have been a national collaborative project. Well, uh, yeah, go go on about how uh, Trump was forced out. Let's talk about what was changed. What was changed prior to the election? Let's talk about all this other stuff. Labeling speech misinformation and blaming it on scientific illiteracy. So here's the price. And he goes on to talk about class divide and, and uh, dismissing people and, and all that. But where where do we go? He says, my motivation for writing this is simple. It's clear that for the public trust to be restored in science, scientists uh, should publicly discuss what went right and what went wrong during the pandemic and how we could have done better. It's okay to be wrong and admit where one was wrong and what one learned as a central part of how science works. Yet I fear that many are too entrenched in groupthink and too afraid to publicly take responsibility to do this. Solving these problems in the long term requires a greater commitment to pluralism and tolerance in our institutions, including an inclusion of critical, if unpopular, voices. Intellectual elitism, he concludes, credentialism and classism must end. Restoring trust in public health and our democracy depends on it. Now, um, it's just pretty much what he's saying is that it's just the expert, experts were too smart. They were just too smart to realize that they were killing everybody. They were too driven by compassion, and that's why they locked everyone in their houses and ruined their careers and forced them to put genetic trash into their arms and not go and attend any of the, uh, the funerals of their loved ones, allowing people to be in hospitals and nursing homes alone, isolated, dying from neglect. And still to this day, they deny that it has done serious harm when it comes to um, when it comes to and I'm talking about the shots too, that it's doing harm, that it's doing harm. It's doing far more harm than would it would have had to have done in prior tests on prior shots to have had the whole thing shut down. Far more harm has been done in the rollout phase than any other time that a new drug has been introduced to the market and had been shut down because of any number of small, small expressions of serious adverse um, effects, any number. So I think that it's interesting 
that in these mockingbird mea culpas, they spend so much time trying to convince the reader that the pandemic was just so horrible. You know, um, they spend so much time doing that, that it wasn't largely a creation of media panic and the Chinese disinformation that was coming out at first to set the table and statistical fuckery that we've been we've been all taking a look at since the beginning and the suppression of easily acquired therapeutics. None of that shows up in here. This guy certainly doesn't talk about remdesivir or the ventilators and killing the elderly in nursing homes. Doesn't talk about any of that. That's because this is limited hangout. That is what the kind, this is the kind of information, the the, the tempering of information that we get, the pre-digestion that we get from people like John Kirby to Newsweek and anybody else that uses these outlets as a vessel to influence us, the influencers. In this respect, they picked a medical student to be the influencer. Because what does it do? You have someone that comes out to expose only a limited piece of the whole picture. And it usually serves as an adequate amount, uh, a pound of flesh for the court of public opinion. And that's all that this is about. He's not talking about actually going and investigating people for doing tremendous crime and breaking medical protocols and, and, and breaking the law in destroying any kind, any kind of sense of, of, um, of informed consent, privacy, anything on a civil rights basis. He's not talking about any of really changing, changing the tide here and making things right. You want to restore public trust, there needs to be prosecution and there needs to be punitive action. So this is all nonsense for the court of public opinion, not an actual courtroom. No real justice or punishment. And I got to admit, this is a part of the reason why, a big part of the reason why I stopped reading all the Twitter files after like chapter seven. They're up to like 15, 16, 17 now. Case in point, Newsweek, okay? All the stuff coming out about the Twitter files and, you know, one thing or another. All right, so the authorities and the experts were, they were compassionate, but they were deadly wrong about so much. Okay, so, so what now, Mr. Author? What happens now? You just dust yourself off, you blow your nose, you go back to the office and you just try to do better for the next pandemic? Continue to enjoy the billions in government grants and whatever the hell other kickbacks are coming from the $100 billion that Pfizer made in 2022 alone? 100, that's one-tenth of a trillion dollars that was generated in 2022 by one company, which, which advertises on every major show, every award show, news program, you name it, $100 billion. So what, all, all these people who were just compassionate but wrong, just that's it? At this point, I would rather be hearing about how the experts are either going through complete spiritual conversions on things and seeking penance and forgiveness or jumping off of the tallest buildings that they could find. There's no in-between for me at this point. You don't get to do what you do. You don't get to go confess to lesser, to lesser of the crimes, crimes of compassion, you don't get to go confess to that and chalk it up to just you just being such a compassionate person who wanted to help everybody and then just go get to go back to work. I can't stand that shit. That is that that is a little bit unpalatable for me. 
But um, but that's where we're at. Here's another one for you. One last thing before I end the, f- the first hour, because I think um, I think I should be having some some visitors show up soon. Here is a post-millennial article. Death tourism. Death tourism. Oregon becomes national destination. National national destination for assisted suicide. Individuals residing in states that outlaw euthanasia, such as Texas, have started traveling to Oregon to gain assistance in their suicide, making the state the first death tourism destination in the U.S. According to the Daily Mail, Dr. Nicholas Gideonese, director of End of Life Choices Oregon, recently admitted to assisting a man from Texas with Lou Gehrig's disease who came to the doctor's Portland clinic in achieving suicide and said that for a small number of patients who otherwise qualify or are determined to go through with that and have energy and the resources, it has started to happen. They're starting to go travel to have somebody else kill them. According to Oregon's official website, the state passed its Death with Dignity Act in 1997, which allows terminally ill individuals to end their lives through a voluntary self-administration of lethal medications expressly prescribed by a physician for the purpose. The law enabled terminally ill patients expected to die within six months to request fatal drugs from doctors that the patients then take and self-administer. In 2021, 238 people committed suicide via the program, and 383 doses of fatal drugs were prescribed by doctors. So I guess about 100 or so didn't go through with it. Now, here's what I, I, I want to... You can say this is, this is compassion. You can say that this is compassion, but is it? I don't know. I'm not suffering. God, God, God forbid... And when I think about things like ALS, my heart just, I, I do not pity anybody. I mean, I do not, um, I, I pity and I do not, um, that's just terrible. Especially when you see it toward the end there, it's just, it's just awful. And I think about that all the time. How much, how much can a person take? Well, a person could take a lot. And obviously if you're not there, then, then you're not there. And it's something you just got to live through to know what you can take, I suppose. But when I think about death tourism and I think about, I just think about pop culture and I think about how modern medicine is right now. I had said before, where's the love in, in healthcare? Where is the love, the real compassion in healthcare? Because a lot of these people, and as, as we know in, in Canada, this has gone well beyond. You can say, well, they, oh, you know, listen, Frank, ALS is one thing. But we know it's already gone beyond that. The slippery slope has already gone way beyond end uh, stages of ALS, where people in, in Canada are being asked whether or not they, they would uh, consider assisted suicide because of financial issues or chronic depression or anything like that. You know, you know, these are people who are not going to get drugs okay you can kill yourself with all types of things around the house you don't even need to kill yourself with anything just find yourself I I don't know so you want to talk about suicide and what this is really all about 
It's not really just about people going to Oregon or anywhere else to go get drugs, the only kind of substances that will kill a human being. They're going to get permission. They're going to get permission from a doctor, from the new priests. That's where this is, the doctors, the experts. There's no love in medicine. Not that I see anymore. I don't know if they're, I'm not in it. I've had plenty of nurses and doctors get in touch with me over the years to say, you know, how things had changed from when they started to where it went, how impersonal it's all becoming and how how really uh, sad it all is. So I don't know, you know, you you talk about uh, trying to get new perspectives on things and, and where did medicine go wrong during the pandemic? We have not, we're not changing anything. Nothing's gonna be changing about the business model. Nothing's gonna be changing about all the geopolitical um, uh, the, the geopolitical objectives that they had laid out ahead of them. The Great Reset, what, they threw a saddle on COVID and they rode this thing right into the Great Reset barn. All right, um, I'm going to stop there and when we come back, it's gonna be all light, light stuff and, and, and good things. I just saw a door open up. I wonder who that could be. All right, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. In fact, plant your ass down. We'll be right back. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly, in Roma, Italia. Quite frankly, you're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Okay, I have a little visitor in here. I have a little visitor in here. Oh, and and, uh, and and well, first of all, I just want to say now that we're in the second half of the show, this is the this is the family end of the show. What's that? 
the door closed. Hey, you. Hey, come over here. You want to come here? Wait. Excuse me. Look at all that. Look at here. Come here. Say hello. Say baba you. So so Aurora, Aurora. So here, come here. Oh, your your dress is so pretty. Thanks. It's so. What color is your dress? What? Yeah, and and it's... that's a baseball. Oh. Okay. Oh, Let's look. That that is. You're right. Oh. So so, so tell me something. How was your Oops. nap? How was your nap? Good. Okay, and did you have good dreams? Yep. Oh. What did you dream about? I have a dream. Okay. So where are you going now? I see Ava. Oh, you want to go see the cat? Okay. Oh, oh no! It's okay. So you go see uh, you go see Pyretta. I see Anthony's over there, so you go. You can go talk to her. Talk to her. Just turn the knob, and you can walk out the door. Okay. So there you go. My mug is broken, and we are on our way. Hold on. Let me. Uh, Plug this back in. There we go. Hey, Lauren, how you doing? Oh, hi. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's great. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. What was the last time you you were here for the Saturday? Yep. But um, you were also my my steady Valentine's Day broadcast too. Not not too long ago. What? Just turn just turn the knob. The door's closed. Turn turn the knob. Say, Uncle Anthony, let me out. Say, Anthony. She just, she ran out. Yeah, she's starving. I got a fever. Okay, well, come back whenever you want. Okay. Is she on camera? Well, she was before. I wanted to, she, she did a little bit of an, uh, come talking to the microphones, talking to that microphone, Aurora. You hear her? Okay, she hears the cat. That's all. It's over. She'll be back. Yeah. Okay, so um, are are you enjoying? Uh, ha, are you enjoying that? She looks great. You yeah. look great. Thanks. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Oh. She had a great nap. It was, the, it was nice. Got the, a parking spot right out front. Oh, I was worried about that because it was yeah. not. It was Saw not, a guy pulling out, and I was like, "Oh, that's for me." Did you? Um, mm -hmm. What was I going to to ask you? I was going. I had a couple things over here. I know that you were not in HR yourself. Correct. But I have this really awesome thing here. I think it's funny. A a guy at some company or whatever, a a woman complained or wanted to complain to HR. She went to Reddit to complain about um, how he is not being very social with the women. That he is just doing his job, but he does not want to be a part of any kind of social situations. Mm -hmm. And now I know that because you have a corporate background and because it is Valentine's Day and obviously it's a social holiday. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to read you a little bit of this before we go into the thing, because uh, okay. I, I want you, your, your opinion. So here is, um, here is the, big, the big takeaway. Hi all, I am posting on this I forget where this is, what, what the actual subreddit is. I'm posting on this because I know a few of my friends are following me on here, and I don't want this. Yes? 
Right. What do you need? Hey, talk into that microphone because I can't hear you. You see that microphone right there? Uh, well, Aurora, talk into that microphone so I could hear you. Okay. That one. That one over there. You see that with the, the, the chair? Yeah. This one. <laughs> that, that one right there on the table. Okay. Yeah, go around that table and talk into that microphone. You got it. You got it. Um, um, push the chair out of the way. Push. push. Good. Now you can now talk into the microphone. Um, I really want food. So okay, oh, so Pyretta really wants some. Pyretta wants some food. Okay, well you you should go go. Uh, I just saw Uncle Anthony walk by, and it looks like he had her food. Okay. You see her? Okay, so there you go. We got that all out of the way. Um, so you ready for this? Ready. Hold on, let me put this on a split screen. Maybe you and I are on the split screen together. Here we go, okay. Okay, so early last year, our firm hired Dan. He's a 27-year-old male. In the first few weeks, he was really quiet and didn't talk very much. He didn't talk very much, and uh, and we just assumed that he was very quiet. That's how he was. Every conversation with him was short and to the point, and he never deviated from work. Aside from pleasantries, like have a nice weekend, etc., etc., about two months in, he started becoming a bit more friendly with the guys in our office, and they would hang out every so often and have normal conversations. However, whenever any of the girls in the office tried to do so, he would quickly change the conversation back to work and, or just not reply. Even now, after a year of Dan working with us, he is straight up refuses to socialize with the girls in the office. I love this. Mm -hmm. And is making them feel uncomfortable. Oh, man. He avoids any discussion of himself outside of work-related events and future plans and doesn't ask any of the girls either. Uh, whereas he is... Whereas he is what I can only assume a pretty good, he's pretty good friends with the guys in the office. So she can assume that, but not with anything else. Even on work meals, on work meals out to celebrate events, he is only doing the bare minimum when it comes to conversation with the girls. Uh, where again with the guys, he talks to them like there's no problem whatsoever. I don't know if I'm overreacting, but one of the girls is considering going to HR about this because she's saying it's creating a hostile work environment. Dan treats us like he treats clients we work with, cordial and strictly about business and is wearing and it's wearing thin now. Any advice is appreciated. Uh yeah, go go find something to do. Go find a real problem. Um, I just, this is ridiculous. I mean, you know how I, I feel about corporate socializing in general. Um, I think it's ridiculous you're not being paid to do extra socializing um we can assume most people have friends and family outside of work you're hired to do a job you're not hired to socialize um but it just goes to show you how things like you know the idea of a social credit score really could be easily implemented because oh, yeah. people are this ridiculous well think about how it well, and, and what if he has a wife or a girlfriend or he's just a private person or doesn't want to have to deal with um 
any HR issues because of other, maybe he had an HR issue in the past with a, another coworker or he's been there, he's done that. And well, I, I, I remember, I remember when, uh, I don't know when it was, maybe it was like 2016 when Donald Trump and Mike Pence were running together and, um, and everybody's like a lot of women started getting all upset because they they heard one of the, the the things about Pence was that he refused to go to any kind of business meetings or lunches or dinners without his wife there, um, and 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 that was seen as some sort of a bad thing because it it showed he was just too traditional, and you know any kind of tradition and any kind of whatever. We're not fraternizing in, in in any way that can be seen loose and and whatever, uh, or, or a place that just puts you in a precarious waters. Right. They don't like any of that stuff. And on the other hand, when you talk what? about, what do you want? I need two other pieces like this. You need two other pieces like that. What other pieces? Two. Talk in the microphone. Talk in the microphone so I could hear you. Hey, wait. Hey, wait. Get over here. <laughs> and away she goes. Um, but as you said with the, the social credit score, imagine that where uh, if you go and talk to a woman and, uh, and she perceives it as something flirtatious and inappropriate and she's not into you, automatically you're a creep you're a potential rapist you got to be you, you have to be reported but then on this end i wonder how i wonder where dan lands on the attractive scale oh are they just feeling slighted oh yeah because dan's good looking and he's not paying them any mind no doubt about it because Which is it's ridiculous again ridiculous go find something to do do your jobs the pro if, if dan was a pockmarked a pockmarked, right. uh, you know, accountant from the basement. They wouldn't care. What are you saying? Wait, you have to talk into the microphone. Nobody can hear you. Talk into the microphone. Here, look at this. Look. Go, go by Uncle Ant. Here. Talk, talk to this. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Wait, wait. Where'd she go? She's by the door. You see, there's she's, no... She's right in the doorway. And she's... Aurora, talk into that microphone that you were just talking into. Here, Aurora, tell us what you... Tell us what you found. Tell us what you found in there. All right. Yeah, you get Pyretta. I know. Where'd she go? Oh, nice. Nice. I know, nice. Very nice. Look, yeah, it looks like the, the, the light's in your room. So, all right. So, Aurora, if you're going to if you want to come in here, you have to talk into a microphone or go to, go play with the cat. All right. So, anyway, like we were saying, I thought this was a great thing here. Um, I And I saved this specifically for you because I know that you have a lot of this stuff going on. I also have this other thing. I have an Iowa State Fair. Did you know that they had a husband calling competition? I, uh, yeah, I heard this actually, and I think it's fantastic. Okay, so they had a husband calling competition not too long ago, and uh, and this is where women go up on. It's a state fair. They go up onto the 
in front of the microphone or on the stage and they call their husbands mm -hmm. and I don't know how you win, but take a listen to this. Here you go. Wait a second. Let me put you up right there. All right, here we go. This is the husband call the husband calling competition in in Iowa. Now this one was the fourth. She came in fourth place. Oh God! Oh God! What was his name? Gerald. Daryl. Daryl. Oh, oh, poor Daryl. I don't know. Who's this one? Who's this one now? Can you hear me? You get yourself in here right now! Come on! You know you're gonna be late again, and you know that I want to get there on time. Roy! Roy, 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 Roy! Roy's dead, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely deaf that, if he's not dead. That's the first place winner. <laughs> oh, man. What do you want? What happened? What happened? Come here. What did you? Okay, go see. Okay, go say goodbye. Um, yeah, no, that's a so. Th there's that. There's a couple other things I wanted to do with you too. I had the the HR. I had the husband calling thing, and uh, I guess we could take some calls. Nine one four five nine five six nine five three. I want to take some calls uh, for the next. 10 15 minutes that we're on and and just relax because i also have to go home and change i can't go to the restaurant with my bill and ted shirt on yeah probably not that would be an embarrassment to you and the baby not oh. easily embarrassed no not by a tire you cannot you can't be here okay so ready <laughs> here's something lauren do you know i know that a lot of our grandparents had their courting um of each other interrupted by the war yeah but do you know of i put this out there last week on friday actually what people think is too young what is just just too young for two people to start a family mm -hmm. not hooking up or anything like that mm -hmm. too young and i had a quite a few people call in to talk about um 17 was was a, was it something that was very common where 17 year olds, uh, you know, many times would not even finish high school. They would just get jobs, get together, and, and do their thing. Um, 15 and 16 came up a, a few times how that is just like the absolute floor. Mm -hmm. and, and mostly because, not because of um, there being any kind of, um, any lack of precedent for young men and women. What? Are you making soup for everybody? Ego. Come here. Ego. What is that? A little soup spoon? Here. Show it. Where did you get this spoon from? Um, I need to make tea. You made tea? And who are you making tea for? Who, who, who are you making tea for? For, the, for, for Anthony? And Pyretta. Okay, well, you go take care of that then. Okay. Goodbye. 
Bye. Okay, see you later. Okay, well, uh, what I got here was a few other things, and it all comes down to modern the modern world being the biggest the biggest inhibitor yeah. for any kind of traditional marriages to really be a um, a possible traditionally young marriages to be a possibility only because of how many uh, just the, the cost of things. Mm. Uh, the, the barriers to entry for you know for certain kind of services and whatnot um, if you're under the age of 18 mm -hmm. like there's just so much that prevents people from actually functioning as a complete adult yeah the logistics are not situated to to accommodate that yeah even if you were gonna do it it's hard to find a place to live and find jobs and be able to support your family so I put that out there too, uh, and I'm, I'm leaving leaving some some uh, lines open for that if people want to call in because it's a little bit more family lovey kind of thing, but it, uh, it's a little topical as well. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I had, what is the other thing I had over here? The husband calling. That's really it, Lauren. I wanted to just take some calls and see how everybody's doing, and and have you come by the studio again because. I thought it would be really nice. Well, it's nice to be here with you, honey. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's always so nice. And you made great... Uh, Lauren Lauren made cinnamon uh, rolls this morning. Cinnamon buns. I did. I ha I broke my fast a little bit earlier. Actually, I broke my fast at 1 o'clock in the morning. I, I, I woke up... <laughs> that wasn't my fault. I, that was not the cinnamon bun. Yes, but I didn't... Ha I had <laughs> tomato salad, though. It wasn't that bad. I woke up, I was just ravenous. And I needed some cheese and some tomatoes. Yeah, I guess you could do worse. Yeah, I know. And I have, by the way, at 1 o'clock in the morning. A lot worse. Yeah. All right, so 914-595-6953. We'd love to hear what you have going on over there. And, oh, this came up on the pot. Listen to this, Laura. This is the night. It's a Crazy <laughs> I, I was going to ask people, I was going to ask people what is, if, if, if you've ever babysat, if you took care, you raised a child, um, your own child, or mm -hmm. if you just work around children, what chi uh, children's songs or theme songs from shows have gotten stuck, hopelessly stuck in your mind? Yeah. Um, obviously, the... Lady and the Tramp is a big one lately, although we have to talk about Lady and the Tramp in a second. Let's take a call first. 913, you're on the air. What's up? Hello. Hello. You're on with Frank and Lauren. Well, happy Valentine's Day, too. Hello. Um, I just wanted to hear Lauren call Frank. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> well. It seemed like it's just an obvious. Oh, well, you're right. That is pretty, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's not like it's just not a siren like any of that. No. But what is it? What I is mean, it? Our, our place isn't even that big, so I don't even have to yell that loud. Okay, so if I'm in the other room, what do you? What do you like a, Frank. Frank. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Frankie. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's very painless. No, it is. But like she said, it's a it's a small apartment. So there's the that makes sense. These people from Iowa, they probably have like 50 acres. They're screaming into the woods. <laughs> very true. Oh man, what a great call! Well, thank you. you. Got anything else? That was a great call. No, not really. I just wanted to hear that. 
Okay. Well, you thank guys you. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Thanks. You too. No doubt. And I'll see you tomorrow at seven, as okay. usual. That's good. Okay. Bye, guys. Take care. It actually, <laughs> honestly, Laura, it feels like right now it feels like eight fifteen. Hmm. Um, it could be eight fifteen in July right now with the with the kind of sunlight that we have. Yeah. So um, there's that. All right. So nine one four five nine five. That was a good one. Now, as far as as far as theme songs that get stuck in your head yeah <clears throat> this is different because when we talk about lady in the tramp and uh over there at tony's restaurant there's another something that pops up we've talked about this before mm-hmm. um he's the, the, the more we have watched this video the more we realize that this is these are two very mentally ill people yes tony and joe yeah Joe, me- Joe's kind of along for the ride. It's, I think Tony's steering the ship on that. Well, yeah, because Tony, uh, Joe, if, if for and for those of you out there, if you remember watching Lady and a Tramp all the way back in the back in the day, when they go to the Italian restaurant, Joe is the is the the the, the lackey, and you know the employee, the the chef, whatever, and Tony is the the main guy. Well, Tony, I think, is a maniac. <laughs> But Joe actually has a little bit more sense, but he's just he's just too malleable. He's a simpleton, and he does anything that Tony asks him mm-hmm. to. Because when Tony t- tells Joe, we're going to get some, uh, oh, oh, Joe says, I'm going to bring, you know, Butch and his friends some really nice bones. He wants to bring Lady and Tramp some bones. That's a pretty decent well, thing to do. The thing is, Tony told him to bring the bones. And then he goes to get the bones and realizes that lady was there. That's right. Then he starts, you know, getting all involved in this romance between these two dogs. Which is the sickest part about the whole thing. And he's encouraging him, encouraging Tramp the dog to settle down with lady. Now, imagine you are a patron of this this restaurant. Right. So it's you and I, Lauren, we are at Tony's restaurant in Lady and the Tramp. Right, didn't we order like 20 minutes ago? Yeah, we're sitting there. What's we're wondering where the food is, or maybe we're just waiting for the check, and we haven't seen Tony or Joe in a while. And but it's but there's a the, there's a distant sound of mandolin, and vocalizing, and we know that they sing when they when they cook. But this seems even farther away now. Yeah. So it gets to the point where we've got to pay. We got to go home. Like. So we go through the the back with Tony, Joe. You go through the kitchen. Tone? Tone? You back there? And then you open up the back door, and there you have these two grown men serenading two dogs with a Marilyn, a mandolin. That are and, eating spaghetti. And they're, and they're eating spaghetti, and they're, they're, and, it's, and they're trying to get them to fall in love. Yeah. That's, a, that's a very sick thing. It's a little weird. Very weird. Hey, Aurora. Aurora, come here. You get over here. We would also like to know from that movie, where are Jim Deere and Darling going so soon after the baby is born? The baby's born like a couple of weeks before, and they're packing their bags. They've just had it. It's just been too much. Parenthood has been too much. They have to go. And they call their crazy aunt. The cats? The cats disappear after their big musical number. You never see them again. Never see them again. They could have been killed by some of the... I have questions. (laughs) About... There's a lot going on. I'm telling you, there is a lot going on. There's a lot of loopholes in this movie. Okay, let me go to some super chats. The lines are still open. Would love to hear from some people. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be around just for a couple more minutes. 
because it's just a busy day. Twisted Clown says, what if Dan says, I'm gay? Who's Dan again? The Ooh. guy from the HR store. That's right. That was the other thing I was thinking. Maybe he's just not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's not interested. Maybe there's a reason no. he's taking particular interest in. I mean, if that were the case, I don't know. I think he would... Maybe Every, he doesn't know. Everything screams to me, the Dan HR story, screams to me a guy who is in a very, very good self-preservation mode. Yeah. It's just not a... Um, the entire system is set up to destroy. Because where do they even expect that to be going? Like, so he's not paying you any attention. But if he were, would you be flirting with him? Would you be trying to get to know him a little better? No, do your job. Yeah. Well, where, where is it going to go? Are you, you guys are going to have the, what? You're going to get together, platonic hanging out. Right. What's the point? There's like, nothing. what's the? No, it doesn't work that way. No, can't force people to be friends in or out of the Whoa. workplace. Excuse me. Whoa, what, take it easy there. Excuse me. What are you doing? Excuse you. Wait a second. <laughs> Away she goes. Thank God I don't do this every night. I would never be able to concentrate. No. Can you imagine? You'd have to lock the door. I'd have to lock the door. I hear squealing out there. But uh, yeah, that, that would be rough. Hey, Joy, welcome to the show. What's going on, Joy? Hey there, kiddos. You guys are so beautiful together. And Lauren, nice to see you and hear you on there. Um, just wanted to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. And I guess my bet is that you guys love each other every day like it's valentine's day with the ups and downs and everything else that goes on in life um that you don't just save it all up for one holiday no so, well uh, yes you're right you're absolutely right joy yep. and it's very nice yep. to hear from you and happy valentine's day to you as well <laughs> you take care guys have a great night yeah. thanks i i just got out of the dentist my other favorite thing to do to take care of myself so it's like um i got out of there in time to hear and see the rest of this with you guys on here. So um, I, just a great time of day to see you. But yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, awesome to hear from you, Joy. Always like getting calls from Joy. Great, great calls. <laughs> and you got you got a nice nice laugh, and you always you always bring some levity to the program. Thank you, Joy. You take care, guys. Have a good night. You yeah, too. Take care. Yeah, I think we, we hang out. We just hang yeah. out. Yeah. It's, um, you know, we've been together a long time now. <laughs> So, with, I think I with think few we're, breaks, we're few good breaks with in between. all of the we're good with all of the things. The celebrating doesn't take much for us to celebrate. Now, th I mean, this is not a day that we mark off on the calendar. No, but you know, I just figured, yeah. I just figured, okay, well, give me an excuse to go out to dinner. Yeah, no, we always like a a good excuse to. That's really it. Have a nice dinner out. You know, at five o'clock. At four thirty. We, we try. We that's the crazy thing. Trying to get those four thirty, four forty-five dinner reservations because of Aurora, and um, you start realizing how convenient it is yeah. to eat out at four thirty. Now, the, the social aspect of it sucks. There's nothing like showing up to a restaurant or a lounge with a uh, a couple of your friends and. The night's just getting started around 8, 8.30, and you have a couple of drinks, some appetizers, an entree, and you just stretch it out. That's awesome. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's not, you know, the, the early worm special ain't that bad. You're nope. there with all the geriatrics. And, right. And the other families. Yeah, the other families. 
<laughs> so Aurora's talking to all the all the, the children at other tables and it's good. It's good stuff. All right. Stowe Stoop says, Happy Valentine's Day, Frank, Lauren, especially the adorable, wonderful little Aurora. Grab a couple extra drinks tonight on us. Enjoy the family Valentine's Day. She's absolutely beyond adorable. God bless. Oh, thank you. And, you know, thank I'm glad you. that she's getting into this mode where we're going to be able to get her to talk a little bit more on the yeah. show. Yeah. Whenever she does stop by. She was very excited to come. Yeah, I could see. She's out there and I don't know what she, oh, she's playing with remote controls. Wait, wait. No, I was trying to see. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, thank you so much, Stostu. Thank you. Although I got to say, Super Bowl paid for tonight's dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I went to go show up and get my winnings today. And I said, uh, they, they gave it to me, Lauren, in this... Um, this white envelope. Oh, I saw the envelope. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Okay. I picked it up. I flapped it around a little. Oh, good. <laughs> did you did you put it in your inside pocket like the Sopranos? I didn't. I didn't have an inside. Pocket. Oh man. Well, obviously, there's not four one hundred dollar bills in there. No. It's like all twenties. Yeah. Because there's there's some thickness to it. But when they gave me the the envelope of all all, all the winnings, I, I'm walking outside and I and I go like this, just <laughs> you know, just like you know the the, the take the take from the day. No, thank you, Stowe Stoop. Lark, Lark Star, thank you for your generosity as well. Lovely Valentine's Day afternoon from South Carolina. Nice ear and eye candy. Frank, Lauren, and Nugget, you are loved and appreciated. Enjoy. I'm glad that we're all here doing a little something. I, I would not have liked to take a day off. I like doing the half days when we can. We appreciate it, too. Yes, I know you do. Silky Johnson says, great show last night, Frank. When do they make first contact with the aliens, all in quotations, in these UFOs? The aliens, totally organically, by the way, will tell us how their planet suffered a great climate crisis and they're all trans and orange man bad for realsies. You know what? That is a great point. The aliens will show up. And it, I, I've been thinking about this, too. Not necessarily War of the Worlds. I've been thinking about the day the Earth stood still. And, and all of those older things, I, I mean, I know that people have been pointing out all of the synchronicities between film and television, television series like, like uh, the Adam Driver series or the movie White Noise. And then there was a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind references. Uh, a few other things there, too. I know Jay Dyer did a little bit of it. Um, I usually go to people like him or Robert Phoenix or Christopher Knowles, uh, the Secret Sun blog. Mm -hmm. I, I love listening to all that because the predictive programming with derailment and chemical spills and all that stuff. And then the coupling that with UFOs is really something else. But when it comes to the day the Earth stood still, it's that classic that classic face-to-face -face with an alien not necessarily an invader um because when they when they, they come here it's almost like they had warned us and what they're trying to do is preserve the earth from us i think that's what the, the whole point of the day the earth stood still i forgot hmm. with the the main character hmm. the alien character klatu who was played by keanu reeves when they redid it with Jennifer Connelly uh, like 10, 12 years ago. Um, but uh, but it's always about that. Usually for the reader, the, the, the moral of the story is you still have a chance, you still have a chance to turn it all around. 
with the environment and and this and that and i can just uh i could just imagine first of all all this stuff would be would be fake the project blue beam the alien invasion i do not that I, I as everybody knows i believe that we're dealing with off-world intelligence whether it be interdimensional or otherwise, I do believe, no doubt about it. And I do not think that if they're not human, then they can only be demons. No, uh, that's, you're not, I'm not gonna, not gonna, can't follow you there. It's too limited a scope. And I think that creation is far too uh, incredible and mind blowing to think that it could be that binary. But, um, but I think that in that respect, at least, but um, I really do believe that if we see that, if they give us any kind of any kind of uh, political endorsements or shit like that, like for example, the Jesus commercials, mm-hmm. I saw those Jesus commercials during the 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 show uh, Super the Super Bowl. Yeah, <clears throat> they didn't make me all warm and fuzzy. They, they they there's a weirdness. There's a very there's a there is a little bit of something strange going on there the, the jesus was a refugee stuff right like well, so, okay so so what are you saying keep the borders open what are you what are you saying about this right you know um because for as much as a alexandra ocasio cortez and all of the half wits that she deals with were screaming about the fact that jesus's name was visible which is a a problem unto itself when you actually i know i have a problem with that but when you actually look at What's the message here? Right. It makes me wonder too. I don't trust anything anymore, um, especially anything with twenty million dollars enough to put all those commercials out. Mm-hmm. But, um, but again, what is the message pushing? What would the extraterrestrials tell us when they come on down? Would, would they tell us to, to vote for Democrats and and to to cap and trade carbon? You know, that's that's my real thing. Uh, do you think about aliens? I don't not think about them, but I try not to think about them. For as much as like you're into all of it, I try to not be. <laughs> and maybe mostly intentionally so. Um, because, you know, the things I've been through, I have to protect my stress levels. You're right. But um, Why, and, I, and I, the, the energy that I put behind my thoughts um, can't always be going towards certain things but doesn't have to um, be scary you know no no i know it's not even so much scary because they don't necessarily scare me i don't necessarily think of aliens and think they're going to come and attack us i don't see why it always has to be that way it might be that they they probably there are violent types i'm sure there aren't um i'm not sure of anything (laughs) so (laughs) i don't really know could they be out there yeah am i gonna trouble myself um keep myself up at night wondering or you know fantasizing like what if they do come or what i can't i can't do that because then it it does become like a rabbit hole kind of scenario i'm i'm already like when do we stop going outside with this uh, chemical cloud coming from Ohio? You know, like I, if I start thinking too far about things. Yeah, I know. Crystal, got my so. my buddy Crystal got in touch with me. She said, "Well, listen, if you if you smell anything weird or you get headaches, then you'll know. If you, it's like a bleach." And then what? What do you do? Just stay in your house? Like, is that going to make a difference? Keep the windows closed? Maybe. Keep the the air purifiers on. Well, we can put our COVID masks on. 
Oh, if they, if they yeah. can keep out the deadliest virus of all time, it can definitely it take. Didn't. It definitely can keep out all the fumes, right? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, on the tail end of the the alien thing, uh, you come up with situations. Like, for example, the possum in the backyard. Correct. You have not seen that thing in a while. No. Right? Winston. You started You started something on this show. People really like the name. They really like that whole personality there. Uh-huh. Um, but you've also come up with with scenarios while we were, like, we were in the bathroom mm-hmm. and um, just, you know, getting ready for bed and all that stuff. Yeah. And you had come up with a scenario where... what. what I told you to open up the window and, and roll up the, even the screen. And you said, well, what if a possum comes in and tries to, uh, are you going to run or are you going to protect me? Yeah. And I said, well, uh, I, you're fine with possums. You're fine. You'd be able to negotiate something. I would have to get out of there. But then you, then you came up with another scenario. And I wouldn't do this to you, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't do this to you. I wouldn't put something, a negative thought. You said, well, what if the possum came in and said, where's Frank? <laughs> and I, and he'd be out to get me. And then I'd say, would I be allowed to run then? If the possum actually expressed its, its very clear intent that it did not want you, it was right. looking for me. Yes. Am I able to run? Right. Are you asking me? Would that be acceptable? Well, I believe the the rest of the thing was he's out to get you, but he'll do anything to get to you. So do you leave me there? Because if you leave me by myself, he's going to he's going to get me to get to you. Oh, okay. So you think that the possum would hold you hostage to be able to get me or worse? What do you say? Soup. Soup. You made soup. Come over here and, and give me the soup then. Juice. Oh, juice? Juice? Yeah. Oh, yum. I can't wait to eat Well, c- come over here and tell me about it. Um, hmm. I know. You know what? Let's, let's go whisper. Don't go that way. Come over here. Talk to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. So here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Possums are one thing coming through the window. Right. Back to aliens. If you're standing, if you're sitting in a room, the door is closed. Yeah. And somebody informs you that on the other side of that door, an alien is sitting at a table waiting for you to come in to sit down and talk with them. Will you be able to even open up the door? They're just sitting there waiting to talk to me. On the other side of the door, there's an alien. It's not going to attack you, but it's there and it is, it's, you can sit down and, um, I mean, do I have a choice not to? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess. It Why would, not? It'd be real rough for me. It'd be real rough for me to because even like open the door and look at it. See, I that doesn't that doesn't compute to me. Well, Why compute? Let's compute this. Okay. On the other side of the door, I'm trying to envision. On the other side of the door is something that is going to completely rip apart your mind. As far as everything you once thought life on Earth was about, you're you're about to come face to face with something that is so, dare I say, alien. To any, I mean, there, I mean, there are some animals. 
that I would want to come face to face with on the other side of a door and to, and to, to, to at least not see it first. Like, for example, the only way I would be able to interface with an alien is if, if I was at one end zone at, at a super at a at a football field, the alien was at the opposite end zone, and we were we were able to slowly, slowly walk up to each other. I'd see, I think that that's that's creepier. Why is that creepier than opening up the door and? I mean, what? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think the slow anticipation buildup of seeing the, the creature walk from a mile away, that's not going to help me any. I'd rather just like kind of band-aid it. If you know you're coming face to face with them eventually, why not just? Uh, for example, um, if you were to send, if you were to pull up a picture of a possum on your phone. Mm-hmm. If I were to look at my computer right now and a, po- a picture of a possum was right there, I'd scream like a bitch just right. because it, it just came out of nowhere. Right. And all of a sudden, I'm taking in everything all at once. But if you stood at the other end of the, if you stood at the door way into the studio right now and you mm-hmm. held up your phone with the picture of a possum far away, I'd be able to see it and you'd be able to make yourself, you, then you could walk up, I'd be able to actual take it in and just take it easy. I'd be able to just ease it. It's like getting into a pool. Right. The, as opposed to jumping right jumping in. Jumping in. I think that I would need time to just visualize what is coming toward me and just chill out. Maybe some people could just open it up and say, hello, Mr. Alien. I'm so-and-so. And I want... I, yeah, I don't think the, the slow anticipation helps. I think I would have to just... What if there's just some kind of like a squid-like thing, though? What if it's like... It's one thing if they're a Nordic-looking thing. Okay? (laughs) Like, so the way it looks is going to... I don't know. Like, if I walk out there, is it going to swallow me or something? I I, I don't know why seeing it from across the room (laughs) makes a difference. I just... There's just something weird about the whole... If it's a Nordic-looking person, like it's somebody... It looks I guess like, this is why I just don't think about these things. Not before bed, at least. Certainly not before bed. This is what I keep myself up with. This is, that's your problem. I have fun with that. That's that's your problem. This is why I'm happy I have you in my life, but I don't want, I don't want to be inside your brain. No. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you should all feel the same way. No, you know, because you sleep in the same bed, so... You know, I know sometimes just like I'll, I'll wake up from a dream sometimes and uh, like I'll just if, it, if it's in a huff or something like that. And if you happen to be awake, you go, what happened? And I'll just go, nothing, <laughs> nothing, never mind. Well, because what I'm going to do, tell you, and then l- I'll l- be let up. me let me pull you into the I'll be up for the rest of the night. Let me take you take you on a journey, Lauren, where I just went. Thanks. Get that off my chest. Okay, Dr. Cox says, great experience. Uh, great to experience what it feels like to catch a live evening broadcast. Hopefully not the last, not, not the last time. Greetings from the Netherlands. This is what wow. I'm... Wow. See, Lauren and I, we are um, we are in the middle of some, some big changes in our living arrangement. Going to be, uh, we, we got some things going on and we're going to be able to pick up some new space. And with that will come a, an office. 
an office proper for me again that I have not had since Aurora was born. And I've been I, I've been having I had a lot of fun write, writing and producing the shows from the kitchen table these last couple of years. But one thing that will come from what we're about to move into for the time being is uh, the ability to go live at you know times times like this for breaking news or one-off subjects that i don't have any time for at the seven o'clock show or even a little bit more consistent or uh, sporadic saturday night engagements that i can go live past midnight or something like that and uh and just because i'll, I'll be able to do it from a designated room inside the house and have all the conditions almost duplicated as to what i have in this room except for space so that'll be nice, um, and, and I, I think about the European audiences in particular when I do this, because I would love to make more inroads with live European audiences. Definitely. But you can't do that at 7 o'clock our time. No. But we're glad you guys are there. Yeah. Whenever you do catch him. Julie Field says, hello, Francis. Would you please wish my husband, Ryan, a happy Valentine's? We both love your show so much, and for, uh, for part of his gift, I set him up as a subscriber. Just uh, use this to fund a Matt soundboard so I can hear him laugh every day. You know, maybe <laughs> I can find a... I would, I would need some help. Matt has a very contagious laugh. I cannot. If Matt gets going, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yes, indeed. I That would be great to have that on the soundboard. Yeah. Um, Shotzi says, Happy Valentine's Day, Frank and Lauren. Thank you so much, Shotzi. It's great to have you out there. All right, over on to Rumble. Got a couple on Rumble I would like to get to. Uh, Cat Sky D says, Oh, what lives in a pineapple? Oh, what live? Who lives in a pineapple? I said, What lives? Who lives in a pineapple <laughs> under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Absorbent in yellow and porous is he. SpongeBob SquarePants. I'll always have a soft spot uh, in my heart for so SpongeBob because they had a Pantera episode. Oh. Did you know that? I did not. One of the earlier seasons of SpongeBob SquarePants, they did an episode using Pantera's music. They used the song um, Death Rattle hmm. in there. So you have SpongeBob running all around. You have dime bags squealing harmonics on the on the guitar. It, it's it's awesome. So we'll always have that. We'll always have SpongeBob. Live free or die. Seventeen seventy six is Happy Valentine's Day, Lauren and Frank. Enjoy some drinks on me. Love the Aurora broccoli clip. She is so adorable. Thank you. Thank you. I wish she was in. You know, she will be as time goes on. Yeah. So learns she'll come to, around. Learns to sit down a little bit more. Uh, Steve. Steve Ellis says, Happy Valentine's Day, Valbiros. Thank you both. I mean, thank you all. Thank you, everybody. Yes, thank you, thank Steve. You. Here's a call from Wayne. What's going on, Wayne? Hi, happy uh, Valentine's Day. I forgot day, what day it was. Yeah, I know. I just wanted to wish you, it's, it's great seeing you um, here even in the afternoon and and see uh, Aurora running around there. But I just, uh, you were talking about the the uh, aliens. Yeah. I think you got to realize that they're probably more good aliens than they're bad aliens. And if they spent the time to get here to Earth, uh, they're not going to destroy it. 
Yeah, I would have to imagine it wouldn't be much of a contest, which is another reason why I think all this UFO stuff, the 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 yeah. vague, the, like the the vagueness, the, uh, the the almost like speculation they want us to do about whether or not it's uh, off-world intelligence is so stupid because there's no way that we're just going to be popping these things out of the sky and have them be anything but earthly creations. Right, that's that's absolutely it. I won't keep you any longer, but I just wanted to wish you a, a great uh, day today and and a good evening with um, with Aurora. Well, thank you for everything, Wayne. Okay, take right. care. Have a good one. Bye bye. That's Wayne from South Carolina. I know you like his accent. I do. It's a very front porch summer day accent. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like good. Cool glass of lemonade. Yeah, cool glass. <laughs> nice glass of lemonade, indeed. All right, uh, let me see. Over on Foxhole, Boys Blanc, thank you so much. Chai Possum says, Frank, I don't know if it's just me, but there's a crackling fire on the beach. But there's just a crackling fire on a beach. No you. Where? On, on, on Foxhole? I don't... No, that that can't be that can't can't be going on right now, right? Are we live? No, we're not live. I oh, put it live. Super. This is uh, son of a bitch. Well, <laughs> there you go. Well, well, we weren't live on Foxhole. Everywhere else we were. Oh, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Thank you for telling me. Um, VT, FVT says, what a great surprise to have you on this afternoon. It's great to be here, and we'll be doing more of this stuff as the, the year goes on and as the technology at home gets a little bit better. And Empress Bitch to you, thank you for the gold pills. We, uh, we're going to leave you now. We're going to leave you now. Lauren, thank you for yeah. the company. Thank you, honey. Thanks for having me. Thanks I, for all of you out there. I would love to have it, uh, have it happen more. Maybe we do uh, a couple of these every once in a while. Yeah. You know, it's maybe maybe wow. maybe a couple of summer Fridays. Oh, yeah, you know? that sounds like a nice plan. Do a two o'clock summer Friday episode, and then Friday night we can maybe go see a sunset. Ooh! Wow! Shoy! I haven't shoy. That's that's what that's how Aurora says the the letter R now. Um, it is shoy, koi. That's for car. For some for some reason, R's are wise at this juncture. But like by choice, because some not so much. Yes. Um, let's see, Aurora. Aurora. They should have a child calling contest. Aurora, go go on that, that microphone. Go on that microphone and tell you have to tell everybody uh, what you're doing right now. Anthony, uh, Anthony, show, sh show her. You're cutting the cake. Yeah, that that microphone right there. Aurora, hey, wait, hey, Aurora. Guess not. Oh, the, the post-its. Well, Aurora, come show us the cake. Aurora, come show us the cake. Aurora. <laughs> Maybe she thinks she, she knows she's going to put on the spot? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, all I want her to say is goodbye, but um, I guess that's that's good enough. We're, uh, she's she's becoming more... She's becoming more of a... Uh, of a... Uh, of, of capable of these types of things. So. Oh, yeah. 
time and time. Uh, uh, Lauren, thank you again. Thank you again, honey. Happy it, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you. And uh, Anthony, I hope you have a good night. You you, you taking off doing a, a dinner or something sometime soon? Is this on? Yeah. No, I'm cooking. Oh, Ooh. good. What, what are you, you making? Uh, I don't know, like chicken parmesan or something like that. Nice. We'll, we'll figure it out. Nice. At, at, at your place? Yeah. That's nice. Hey, Aurora, you know that Anthony is going to be cooking dinner? Aurora, hey. did you hear that? <laughs> Aurora, what is, she, what is she listening to out there? Oh, she just put on the radio. Oh, Actually, it's funny because she put on the, um, uh, the, the whole vinyl radio combination thing we have, and it was on CD. I'm like, what CD is this? I press, I press next, and it was, it was, Bo, it's Bo's CD for some reason. Oh, our cousin. <laughs> we were like dancing to Bo's music for a couple of minutes. Oh, that's fun. Aurora, you want to say goodbye? No, no thanks. Okay, that's it. Uh, thank you, Kusiga says, Happy Valentine's Day. Frank and Lauren, bless you and your whole family. Yes, blessings to all of your family, too. And we'll see you tomorrow night with my broken mug now. That's it. That's the end of the Zaral's in New York mug. I hope we have another one. Uh, she came in, and as she was getting off my lap, she pulled everything down with her. Uh, this is, a, this is a, a classic. I hope we have another one somewhere. I think I designed that mug. You did. Anyhow, tomorrow's another night. I'll see you at 7 o'clock. Thank you, everybody, for, for showing up, and uh, I, will, uh, I will check back with you soon. Good night. search. Let me go in there because I've got a hankering to get some butt. Yeah. All right, Sullivan. But if there's any trouble, just signal. Captain, if there's any trouble, I'm going to kick butt and then stack them ten high. All right, I'm rolling out. If you're dying, do you? Yeah, I do. I'd say it's probably might be my greatest fear, actually. Well, it's something all men before you have done, all men will do. I know, I know. Have you ever made love to a truly great woman? Actually, my fiance is pretty sexy. And when you make love to her, you feel true and beautiful passion, and you, for at least that moment, lose your fear of death. No, that, that doesn't happen. I believe that love that is true and real creates a respite from death. All cowardice comes from not loving or not loving well, which is the same thing. 
And when the man who is brave and true looks death squarely in the face, like some rhino hunters I know, or Belmonte, who's truly brave, it is because they love with sufficient passion to push death out of their minds until it returns as it does to all men. And then you must make really good love again. Think about it. I'll catch you on the flip side. Frankly, this film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Twisted Clown, Stostube, The Lark Star, Silky Johnson, Dr. Coax, Julie Fields, and Shotzi. Thank you to all my friends like Kusiga and KT Sky D and Stephen Ellis and Live Free or Die, 1776 on Rumble, and the rest of you, I will see you tomorrow night. Good night.